You are listening to a Strange and Beautiful Network Classics Collection episode. This episode was originally released under our parent podcast, Strange and Beautiful Book Club. You know, there's something else that we should never forget, Captain. That even when we go chasing our ghosts, we should do it by the rules, huh? Without letting guilt affect our judgment. That's a good one. Difficult, though. Yeah, I know. Believe me. I know. Ready for some Fortnite? <laughs> Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's time for another episode. Forever Night episode. Season 1, episode 20. Fatal Mistake. We have, um, like, two episodes left in season one. Can you, I, I know I say that like Rachel a lot. can't believe it. I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. I knew we would make it this far, but it was like a conceptual idea. I knew conceptually we'd make it this far, but we just had our 50th episode. Just published our 50th episode. Right. This is not episode 50. We've already had episode 50. And now we now have half as many episodes as we have followers on Instagram. <laughs> no, that's not true. We have like 110. Uh, anywhere from 110 and 114, depending on how many bots we've had that week. I had kind of a, I was in a funk this week. I don't know. Is anybody else in a funk? It's that time of year. It's that like winter, you're drunk, go home time of year. And it's just like, this is my struggle time. Always the end of a season when I'm ready for the next season to start. This is usually when I'm like, ugh, can't even with anything, with life. Somebody said, I just can't even is millennial slang. And what? I, I felt personally attacked. That's clueless. That's 90s. Which would make it millennial slang. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of the that's cyclical a, slang. That's us. Oh, millennial. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> the millennials. I, honey. I did the typical thing <laughs> of saying, "Oh, millennials, they're the twenties, twenty-ish." Yeah, nope. People. Sorry, we're not not anymore. You can't blame us for the troubles of life anymore. The twenties are now Gen Z. <sighs> now, like our niece, who just can't even with us <laughs> <laughs> forever. But that's you know what? It's fun, especially when I say "yeet." Yeah. Especially when we use out of date Gen, Gen Z, Z slang. Mm, chef's kiss. It's perfect. I keep okay. So I had I had every once in a while. I, I guess probably before three months ago, I had heard somebody use the term chef's kiss like twice ever. Mm. And then you started using it. And this streamer I listened to while I work started using it. And like other places, it's popping up. Yeah, that's because I'm a trendsetter. Instagram told me so. <laughs> Every time I post a reel, it's like, congratulations, you're a trendsetter, and I get a little badge. They probably have some machine learning algorithm that that generates a score of how similar stylistically are these reels to the average reel. Yeah. And if your score is way off, the average, then you, <laughs> then you're a trendsetter. <laughs> you're a trendsetter. I figured it's because when you post a reel, 
and you're going to put audio on it and you click audio, it gives you a list and it's like, these are the trending audios. But I always go to the search bar and search for my own audio because then I can't. Oh, uh, you're not. You're not just I can't be bothered. using the mainstream. Yeah, and I use options. a lot of um, like obscure sci-fi, fantasy, and horror themes because, to me, that fits the theme of what I'm going for here, uh, and that makes me a trendsetter. I use the gremlins on one. They're like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. You know that one? No, yeah, look I don't. Okay, well, we're going to have to watch gremlins now because it's uh, once you've heard it, it'll be in your head forever. Okay. So anyway, we're doing Forever Night. Well, not... I, I and a, a line just popped into my head. Please, I want to hear it <laughs> from this like uh, philosopher guy I listen to. Um, humans' niche is niche formation. <laughs> we like making niches. We're really, really good at making niches in our environment. For ourselves. Considering the original meaning of the word niche, which was literally an alcove in the wall where you could store a small item, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But before we get too far. Hi. hi. I'm Rachel. (laughs) I'm not Matt. I was trying to throw her off. You did. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Oh, thank you. Back to the regular order of things. And this is the (laughs) Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. episode 20 fatal mistake and in some places the last three episodes get out of order sometimes 1966 is shown before fatal mistake sometimes it's listed after fatal mistake these three last episodes are kind of fluid because we're too far gone from the original airing and whoever owns the rights clearly isn't doing a lot to maintain the integrity of the property But But, they really need to use the objective measure of episode order, which is the skanky sideburn index. Yes. Yes. Because fatal fatal mistake, the skanky sideburn index is gone. He's shaved. He has shaved his sideburns. And then in 1966, which is the episode in our scale, which is airing after this, they're back. So I'm going to say... Even though we're going in Amazon order, 1966 is probably actually episode 20. And Fatal Mistake is 21. Yeah. But these are the kind of nitpicky details you come to us for. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, But we start with Stone Tree at the Mini Mart. Oh, he's doing grocery shopping. And everyone just take a moment. Appreciate Gary Farmer because we've... You're welcome. Sorry, it was hanging too close to my gesticular Your range. Your field of flailing? My gesticular range. Your gesticular range. <laughs> so accurate. <laughs> but everybody just take a moment. Appreciate Gary Farmer. 
take in Gary Farmer. Let it steep. Because we only have this episode and two more episodes with Stone Tree. And then he is going to be gone without an explanation. Well, kind of an explanation. We, quote, move precincts, which Nick and Skanky move precincts together. And you know what? I sometimes listen to our episodes and we say which a lot as a transitional word. And I was bothered by it. And I thought, oh, I got to really work on which. And then I was listening to another podcast, which is very successful and has lots of episodes and they use which. And I thought, you know what? If they can do it, we can do it. So if you guys are bothered by which, sorry, it's here to stay. We, we can, we could say they're two for. <laughs> they're, they're on two. QED. Uh, QED. Anyway, so Stone Tree is at the Mini Mart. He's shopping. And he's shopping for ice cream. So he's looking at a container of ice cream and he's like, calories, calories, which is kind of cute. It's a sweet little moment. Just Is Stone Tree married? Uh, I think so. Canonically? Yeah, I think okay. so. I think we've mentioned he has children too. At Probably. some point, yeah. And he hears a robbery in progress. And being a generally good guy, genuine... <laughs> And being a <laughs> gotcha. Thanks for the law and order. Sound. The the resident alien rendition of the law and order sound. Wow, that's a deep cut. He's like, <laughs> that's a good show. But being generally a good guy, Stone Tree has decided he's going to try and, and stop. And a professional cop. And a professional cop. It's like if you faint in front of a paramedic, they're going to give you CPR. It doesn't even matter if you just. If they're on duty or if not. They're on, yeah, they're just going to do it. Because that's, you know, that's part of what you sign up for when you sign on to the job. And so he pulls out his weapon, which he took in to buy ice cream. He's always packing heat. <laughs> and he, uh, he, you know, he scares them off. He takes his weapon out. He sets it up on the pack of soda or whatever it is right there and he's like think again punk you're not going to shoot him today and they leave so he gives chase uh maybe he's thinking this way he can work off some calories and then he can go back and buy there the ice go. cream then <laughs> he can he... justify the ice cream definitely i don't think stone tree thought this was going where it goes because they run down an alley they get to a chain link fence one of them gets over the other one doesn't get over before Stone Tree gets there. And he turns around and the guy behind him clearly sticks his hand through the chain link fence with a weapon and fires a gun at Stone Tree. And so Stone Tree Multiple shots. Yeah. Stone Tree returns fire. And he ends up shooting and killing the kid that is on the side of the chain link fence closest to Stone Tree. Not the one with the weapon, but the one that couldn't get over fast enough. And he runs over to the kid and the kid gets a very intentionally heart-jerking line where he's like no not like this just just like it, it's meant to elicit sympathy in the viewer um and it does because and it's stone just, tree. just a little kid and stone tree is like oh no what have i done but he calls it in we get forensics and for once forensics is bagging hands to maintain evidence I love how hit That's and miss. because this in this is internal affairs forensics. Oh yes, we gotta try. That's where we actually need some who like who watches the watchmen. I love we need how, to be a lot more careful. I love how pre CSI a lot of our forensics and police procedural stuff is. 
where we have no standard for what we're expecting to see on TV. We just, right. we want vampires, we want drama, we want Jeanette. We really don't care how well police procedure is followed. Because we're, we are pre-every other drama on television is a police I, I procedure. I would say in the 90s, it, it, wasn't, it probably wasn't until CSI that for a lot, pretty much anything, if you were portraying a profession in in the plot of an episode nowadays as part of the just as part of the due diligence for getting the episode going you you would say oh this person is a structural engineer like a field structural engineer okay we're going to go find a field structural engineer and interview them and shadow them so that our authenticity our actor's portrayal is as authentic as possible to reality. Yeah. But that didn't start until, uh, I guess, as a mainstream thing. Every once in a while, someone would do it. It was probably just incidental. Like, oh, like my wife is a, a software developer. That's not how programming looks. Yeah. Right? And. So someone on the production staff would say, look, I I have a relative or a spouse or family or whatever. I have firsthand experience with observing someone doing this job. Yeah. And you're getting it all wrong. But then eventually it kind of gets formalized as this is part of the process of fleshing out the the acting uh, yeah, I but would we, say the, the 90s, 90s were not no, there. No, because you know what? You're, there's no fact checking. How are you going to fact check? Half the homes in America <laughs> don't have internet in their homes. I saw a meme. <laughs> it was like uh, so a kid asking somebody like um, an older, like our age, middle age, whatever. Elder millennial. So what did you do before the internet? Did you just not know things yeah you just didn't know shit and so they said yeah your your aunt patricia would just tell you something offhand and, you and you'd believe the it. wrong thing for 20 years yep until you looked it up in the encyclopedia or the encarta did you have encarta um eventually i did but i think i either my grandma or some family member bought the Encyclopedia Britannica. Mm. Well, Encarta, and we would just go through it. Encarta was the like the, the original computer version. The computer version, and I had Encarta ninety five, and it had videos, and you could look up a thing, and then you could watch a video on it. I think it was my uncle had Encarta. Yeah, and you were and like, we would oh, use his computer. The world is at my fingertips. I can learn anything now. Of course, then I got to be ninety seven, and your Encarta ninety five was outdated. Yeah, so, you know, 90s, it's fine. The, no one's worried about authenticity. Not only that, but you can't go back and watch this episode again to see how good of a job they did. So who gives a shit? Right. And so they're bagging hands for, like, the first time ever. Congratulations. Back to the scene. Back to the scene. <laughs> <laughs> and Skanky has shaved his sideburns. In fact, everybody's gotten a haircut. Stone Tree's haircut, hair is cut. Nick's hair is shorter, and Skanky's lost his sideburns. And you said something about they there was some like PR event that they did, the show did, 
No, I think you had a dream about that or something. Oh, I, I remember you saying something about maybe it was maybe it was on the Discord. Maybe this was the one for Sweeps Week. <laughs> Where, yeah, they all had to make a public appearance. And so you're like, they probably all got haircuts for the public appearance. Wow, no. I have no. That's you don't not remember that? Nope. I don't remember that. Mm -mm. I think you made that up. You had a dream about it. Well, I love that you're dreaming about Forever Night now, even if it's inaccurate press conferences. <laughs> but these actors look freezing. It reminded me of when we watch K dramas and they're filming during the winter and everybody looks like. They are fucking freezing, and they're all trying to act in these hoodies and trendy clothes, and their hands are, like, bright red because they're <laughs> so cold. But they are all wearing trench coats. They're wearing three different trench coats. And they're all buttoned up. They are all buttoned up, tied at the waist, and they all have their hands in their pockets. Like, it is so cold. Nick's got his leather trench coat on. Stone Tree is rocking his signature navy blue trench coat, and Skanky has a dark khaki trench coat on. Just wanted to put, set the scene for everybody. And Stone Tree is really questioning himself because they don't have any evidence that his account is correct, that this guy shot at him. Right, because he says he someone was shooting at him, so he returned fire. Yeah, and they're like, but okay. But the guy that he... The kid that got killed doesn't have a gun. Yeah, and he has no gunshot residue on his right. hands. Later on, we find out there's there's a hole, basically like a burned hole in the guy's sleeve. Yeah. Which is consistent with the guy behind the fence sticking it under his arm. Right, but we don't know that right now. And right. so there's so Stone nothing. Tree's like, and Stone Tree hasn't been in the field for a long time. Yeah, so he's really second-guessing himself. Did I do this? Did I not do this? He frames himself as a good guy. And for him to have to question whether or not he remembers this account correctly is traumatizing for him. Because he doesn't know, did I actually get shot at? Or was I so caught up in the moment, I thought something else. Uh, there was some other noise that I thought was gunfire, and I killed this kid for no reason. Because he knows they had a weapon in the store, but they don't have the weapon. It's not here. It wasn't with the kid. It's gone. Wherever the second... The second perpetrator went. That's where our gun went. And Nick is trying to comfort Stone Tree. And Stone Tree's like, Well, Nick, like have you ever killed anybody? Captain, I'm sorry. I know how you must feel. Do you, Nick? Have you ever killed anybody in the line of duty? No. You must be lucky, I guess. In the line of duty. In the line of duty. Well, Nick Nick is like, I know what you mean. Yeah. And he's like, have you ever killed somebody like, in the oh, line oh, of duty? Oh, you know what I mean? What, have you killed people in the line of duty? And Nick is like, you know, not technically. Not not in the line not of duty. In the line of duty. Saying no is technically correct. Yes. And technically correct is the best kind of correct. But in this case, it weakens Nick's sympathetic gesture. Right. When he can't say, well, you know what? I have killed. Oh, my God. Thousands of people throughout the centuries. Right. If, he has uh, to, if they have to kill like once a month or something, it right. depends on the vampire canon. But. Well, in season one, we can't just bite somebody and leave them. They turn into a zombie. So anybody, anytime you eat, you have to kill somebody completely. Um, and he's like, well, you know, it, but it's a responsibility. We all assume that at some point in your career, you may have to do something like this. 
And Nick and Skanky drive off. And Skanky and Nick have kind of a bro moment in the car. Where Skanky is trying to share anecdotes that illustrate his empathy of the situation. He's using anecdotal conversation. And he's talking about how, you know, he had to kill a guy one time uh, back in the 80s. And, you know, it was really cut and dry, but he still had to go through all the paperwork and it really bothered him. And he doesn't really remember how badly it bothered him, but Myra does. About him taking showers and just being really listless and difficult to be around. Um, He actually killed somebody last week. But he doesn't remember that. He doesn't remember. Nick Nick stole that from him. (laughs) And didn't give him something else. Right. Just left a blank. (laughs) Just left an empty spot. Yeah. And Skanky implies that maybe Stonetree has been riding a desk too long. That he is too far out of the game. Right. He's out of practice. Yeah. And they end up kind of concluding with like a, you know what? Sometimes this job is shit. Which we talked about a lot in False Witness, and we haven't really talked about since. But this is kind of skanky revisiting his, we are trying to be the good guys. We are trying to be the people here that are doing the right thing. And sometimes it's shitty because the world is shitty. And how much of a difference are we really making? Actually, we never really talk about it. We accept it. Yep, you just gotta let it roll off your back like water off a duck. Even when it's questionable. Especially when it's questionable. Can't go carrying around coffins on this gig, Nick. No way. You can't. You can't carry your dead. Right. Which is a good lesson for Nick in general. <laughs> you can't go, I mean, especially Nick. The weight of Nick's guilt is too, too much. The weight of all the coffins that he has to carry is too much. And it's one of the two running themes in the entire series, which is people are never as good as Nick thinks they are. And the weight that he carries, the weight of guilt that he carries is too much. But he refuses to put it down because he equates feeling that guilt with being moral. And he can't have one without the other. Even if one breaks him. Even if the weight of it breaks him. And then we have a chat with internal affairs. But after their heart-to-heart in the car, we get back to the precinct and their meeting with internal affairs. Because... Which they is were just the, one guy. It's just one guy. And they were the responding officers. And Stone Tree, you know, there's no real evidence of Stone Tree's account being accurate. So the internal affairs guy even says, look, I'm not the bad guy here. I'm just trying to do my job. It's literally my job to make sure that everything here is on board. And that's what I'm going to do. So if you want Stone Tree to be innocent, you need to find evidence that he is. And I feel like I should point out that the burden of proof is not on the... It's on the person making the accusation. Yes. You can't prove a negative. Right. You have to prove a positive. But the point of this is... And he even says they got the footage from the store... Where they did have a gun. Yeah. So we know they had a gun. We know they had a gun for sure. We just have to prove that they shot it at Stone Tree. But they can't find the bullets. Right. 
which becomes significant later on. Right. And Nick has his purple turtleneck on again that he was wearing in Unreality TV, but I have to say it goes a lot better with the sport coat he's wearing than it did with the purple members only jacket. Yeah, purple on purple. You got to match your shades if yeah. you're going to wear the same it color. Wasn't, it wasn't a good look. This is a better look. And the desk lamp that Stonetree has on his desk, I had that desk lamp. I had that exact desk lamp. It had a straight up. I remember um, it with the big buttons. Yeah, it had giant buttons and it had a uh, fluorescent bulb. Didn't you have it in your dorm room? Yeah. Yeah. And that I had a fluorescent it. bulb that you had to like push and hold the button and it would like ding, 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 ding. And yep. it would turn on like a fluorescent bulb. Yeah, I just dated myself horrendously. Kind of like when they use a cell phone in here. And Nick is talking to to Stone Tree. And he's really kind of reiterating what he said before, which is like, look, Stone Tree, you can't beat yourself up about this. We're going to work on it. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure your, your belief in what happened is accurate. And we're going to find proof. And I, you just need to go home and rest. And Stone Tree's like, no, man, you can't kill someone like that and not have it affect you. And Nick's like, like I'm looking at you right now and I'm seeing him. Justifiable homicide is only a little easier to live with. No, Nick. You can't kill somebody. Watch him die and not have it affect you. Yeah. And Nick is so taken in by this that he uh, <laughs> he gets whooped back That's into the That's my flashback noise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would, I don't know, Matt would also flash back to this flashback pretty frequently because this woman is one deep breath away from a wardrobe malfunction i was captivated <laughs> the entire scene all the scenes with her yeah yeah i mean first of all lacroix walks there it's i don't know we're victorian england not victorian we're way past that we're way be earlier than that we're way back in england at some time yeah 17 to 1800s even earlier i would bet and they go in it's like Shakespearean England, let's put it that way, because we've got ruffles, we've got tall hats, we've got low-cut dresses, and they walk into this bar, and LaCroix just walks up to a table, and he's like, thanks for the seats. And they're like, oh, we weren't leaving, and he's like, oh, yeah, you, you were you were leaving. And so he, of course, locks eyes with the one he guy. Goes, bubble, bubble. He's bubble, like, bubble. Uh, have a nice night, gentlemen. You're going to want to leave. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, we're leaving. Thanks. Bye. And he and says. He, he locks eyes with all three of them. Yeah. And he says, eternal life is too short to wait for a table. So LaCroix just walks in, clears the table, throws his hat down on it, and they sit down. And the waitress slash tavern wench, I don't know what you want to call this. She walks over to Her serve outfit's them. It's just chef's kiss. <laughs> it's a you very. Like that? But yes, thank you. It was a, it was an excellent use of the idiom, so I, I applaud you, sir. I think that that's literally my first time ever using that idiom, <laughs> and really? it's a little bit sarcastically. It was just kiss. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think we shall heretofore refer to this as the nip slip dress, because more of her decolletage is out of this dress than is in this dress. There must be some tape. There had to be tape binding. Some sort of something was keeping everything in place because she has to lean forward and talk. She mm -hmm. has to move around. And LaCroix orders wine, but the good stuff. Don't give me that shit that you give everybody else. And she's like, oh, well, it'll cost you. And he's like, oh, 
We have money. But you can tell he has money because... He's clean. He's clean. And this mullet wig that Nicholas is wearing <laughs> is truly... Is well-groomed. <laughs> they show him from the back only a couple of times because it is really not feathered into his hair very well. So oh, is it you just can, like a one half wig? Yes, it's like a just like so they it's wanted, his normal hair in the front. Like, like they wanted him to have long hair, but they couldn't commit to a it's full a, wig. So they it's just a, it's like the the beard that you just have like a elastic string. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Well, they put all their money into these costumes because these are again fucking fabulous costumes. Right. It's a fabulous set. Everything is. But the mullet wig. <laughs> it's the one, like, we could have just, everybody chip in 20 bucks, buy a better it's wig. It's the weakest link. It is the weakest link. And if you don't look at it too closely, it doesn't ruin the moment too bad. Um, there are other nice things to look at in this scene. <laughs> so she goes back behind the bar to get them the good stuff. And LaCroix like, you could hit that. And Nick's like, Nick looks over and she looks at him and they share kind of a look. And then he gets this self-satisfied smirk on his face like, oh, yeah, I could hit that. That's a good idea, LaCroix. Yeah, he's like, you know what? I was thinking the same thing. I think I'm going to have that wine later. And then we go back to the present. And... You're just on a move. You're on a roll with the mouth noises. Um, and Nick is back in the alley because he is trying to take it upon himself to vindicate Stone Tree because he feels bad for Stone Tree. By himself, with no witnesses to authenticate any new evidence that he might find. Right. But he's also using his night vision, his little red circle. Yes. And he, even he can't really find anything. But then he hears something behind him, and he turns around, and it's the tavern wench. And she's in modern clothes, sadly. And she's mm, at the end of the semi -modern alley. Semi-modern clothes. Well, she's at the end of the alley, and she's, like, spotlit. And he's, like... Right. Yeah, she's, like, glowing white dress. Yeah. And flowing like, in the wind. Uh... What? And so he runs down the alley, but by the time he gets there, we hear a whoosh, and she's gone. And then we go back to our flashback, because that is so traumatic, it sends him back into the past again. And they are making out on a rug in front of the fire. And the kissing sounds <laughs> were so hard. <laughs> I was trying so hard to stay in this scene, but it's like... <laughs> So hard. And they're having a conversation in between the loud slurping sucking noises. And it's really kind of funny because she's like, oh, man, you're so well traveled. I really wish I could travel the world like you do. And he's like, eh, you know, world's not that big. Um, okay, thanks for speaking from your privilege there, Nick. But um, she's never left the bar, probably. And she's like, well, it's pretty big from where I stand. That's what she said. But um. <laughs> 
Which and is he's what like, I said while we were watching it. Yeah. And so they're continuing to make out. And he's done with this conversation about their future together because the future's not even an option. He's really only here for tonight. And he's like, well, you know what? I could take you somewhere. And she's like, oh, but I haven't a thing to wear. I could take you someplace right now. <laughs> oh, and where is that printout? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some places you've never been before. Mm. But I haven't a thing to wear. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. I was like, hoping you would say that. <laughs> that was... <laughs> I was like, oh, that was perfect. I oh. The last, same exact line popped into my head Matt before he said it. So impressed. He was so impressed with Nick's dialogue. The, in this the scene. writing in this scene was very male. Yes. <laughs> It's very male. That's a very good way to describe it. Like Kate said, it'd be really interesting to see the world from a male gaze. For a day. Just watch this episode. Yeah. That (laughs) scene where they're making out on the rug and he's turning everything into a sex joke. That's it. And then we cut to Natalie and Grace. And it's. From the perspective of something looking up at Natalie and Grace. Yeah, in, in the coroner's office, Grace is her assistant, I don't know, office yeah, manager. Yeah, her little NPC friend who hangs out. Her foil, her skanky. I'd say she's like the office manager yeah, of but the coroner's office. It's her skanky. Natalie yeah, and Grace. It's Natalie's skanky. Are that's a good skanky. Yeah. That's a good analogy. And she's like, mm, I'll take a leg. And so Natalie gets her her scalpel and starts cutting. <laughs> this, She's like, and this scene really like pulled me out because her hand moves really close to the camera, and then her fingers just wiggle. And yeah. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> She's having a hard time acting this. She needed she needed like bigger like wrist movements. They needed to actually give her something to cut. To cut, yes, yeah, because she's supposed to be cutting chicken. Fried chicken, right. yeah, and it doesn't look like she's cutting anything. It just looks like she's it waggling. It looks the like syringe, she's like uh, scalpel in our direction. Like she's wiggling a a brush, a paintbrush in a cup of water. Yeah, it's not great, but they. It's a joke. We're cutting up a chicken because then she pulls up, she stabs something, and pulls up a leg and like a thigh and hands it to Grace. And that's when Nick walks in. And he's changed. He's in like a dark sweater, leather jacket combo, which is our most non-dated outfit that I think he's been in. Because it's not bad. It's not 90s great. Or the trend has come back around. Or the trend has come back around. It's not just 90s great. It's generally just a good look on him. The dark sweater and the leather jacket. And Grace is getting ready to eat. She keeps bringing up to her mouth when Nick talks. And finally, she's like, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere more private and eat this. And so she leaves. And Natalie's like, I'm so glad you're here because I figured out what happened. Oh, before Grace leaves, she mentions that Grace found a burn, a powder burn, on the inside of the guy's elbow, which is consistent with someone standing behind him, sticking a gun alongside his body, underneath his arm, and shooting. Right, because she found gunshot residue there, specifically. Yeah. Uh, And so that proves... Stone Tree's account, which is that this guy fired, but it was the other guy, and he was right, shooting but it was, through the fence. It was between this guy's elbow and his chest. Right. So this vindicates Stone Tree, effectively. Right. And at this point, case is done. Yeah. Really? You just have to find the other guy. 
Yeah. And but Nick his- is like, we're not done here. Well, I think he... Because Nick saw a ghost. Yeah, but I think he is done with Stone Tree at this point. Right, right. Yes. I don't think he's done with Alessandra, which is her name. But he is done with Stone... He's like, oh, okay, cool. Well, have you told Stone Tree? And this is the like, fastest we've resolved the the like intro crime. Yeah. In any episode so far. Yeah, I think Stone Tree, for his part, is still looking for the slam dunk evidence. That was good. It's good enough to vindicate him. But it still leaves that small shadow of doubt. Right. There's still the guy that actually shot at him. Right. And Stone Tree's like, I'm going to arrest him. Yes. Because Which he's the one who shot him. I appreciate that he's shot him. he's focused on arresting the guy rather yeah. than killing the guy. Getting revenge or anything. Right. Especially since, from Stone Tree's point of view, this guy is the reason that the other one died. Right. Because he, this guy used his buddy as a human shield. Yeah. And Natalie and Nick have a short conversation here. And then she's like, are you okay? You look like something from the back of the refrigerator. Stone Tree know about this? Not yet. Test results just came in. Well, you look like something from the back of the refrigerator. You sleep okay? Not really. Stone Tree's really got me spooked about this. <laughs> Which I feel like I want to use that. Um, yeah, Rachel said, I'm going I'm to use that I'm going to use that. You know, it's like when you're having a really good day and you feel really good and you're talking to somebody and they're like, are you okay? You look like something from the back of the refrigerator. I was like, at a meeting at work the other day <laughs> and I was feeling pretty good. I was... I got some stuff done, and then I'm just in the daily stand-up meeting, and then it was just me and another person, and they said, oh, you look tired. <laughs> and I, I just said, well, it was a long weekend, but inside I was thinking, I feel really good today. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't feel tired. Do I look that bad? <laughs> I think it's because I had groomed my beard in yeah, like a month. possible. But which I finally did. Nick is I like, feel a lot better. Nick must not be, feel as Nick must feel as good about that statement as you felt about that statement because yeah. he he's like uh, okay and he leaves to go he's driving. Like, uh, man, I I picked out a really good outfit. I, I wanted to really impress Natalie good today. I had an extra man. bottle of cow blood. I'm doing good. You know what? I need to do some driving and some thinking. And for once, there you go. It is not a dark night flashback. It is a new. <gasps> it's driving a new scene. driving scene. Yes, and he has an involuntary sex flashback while driving. It's like acid. And um, this happens uh, from the male perspective. You know what? I just this is not thank unusual. You. Thank you. But he's remembering when he was making it with the tavern wench, and they as had, would I. They had progressed to the bed. And she was getting ready to get undressed and move things on to the next stage. And he just bites her and kills her. <sighs> Whoops. Premature penetration. <laughs> you have been waiting to say that line. No, it literally just popped into my head. I thought I need to make a joke about premature ejaculation. <laughs> premature penetration. <laughs> but we go to the... <laughs> You are on a roll. <laughs> you know why? It's because this is such a male episode. This is a very male this episode. This is a very yes. male episode. No woman wrote and, this episode. And the Alessandra character is a critique of the 
the patriarchy. She's not a the, no. Well, and the the male dominant culture. This is the male the time, perspective. Her per, it's her perception of the the injustices that she has endured because of the dominance of the the male perspective in society at the time that she met and now i mean that's fair but really this is this is written by a guy because no woman is going to spend three to five hundred years hunting the dude that killed her i mean if she happened to run across him sure she would revenge the shit out of herself but she's been hunting him for hundreds of years she has been hunting him for hundreds of years he spends large swaths of time in the same areas it's not like it'd be hard to find him the world isn't as big as all that but literally this is the male idea of what a a jaded woman would do that she would be so caught up in her female hysteria it is a very shallow perspective on a woman from a like very masculine perspective yeah yeah that her whole life would this this episode doesn't pass the bechdel test because no she doesn't ever Absolutely not. she doesn't focus on anything but Nick. And she has focused on Nick her entire life. Centuries. She has been hung up on that hot dude that turned her into a oh, it didn't even just bit her no, one no. time. He Nick just drank from her. Yeah. LaCroix turned her into a vampire. Surprise. Right, but why aren't we after LaCroix? Right? Because otherwise she could have just well, because otherwise she would have just been able to continue her life. Yeah. Nick is the one who interrupted her life. Yeah. So she didn't die at 30. She died at 25. whoop de fucking do Okay. So, so sorry for you, Alessandra. This is such a male perspective. And I agree. That's probably why this episode was um, funny to you because it spoke to you. It was um, cognitively fluent to me. Yeah, you. It spoke your. It language. was easy for me to process the information. Your, it spoke your dude language. Yep. Uh, but after his involuntary sex flashback, he comes back and he's actually like veered into the other lane and he gets honked at. And has to go back over, and he goes totally to the precinct. Yeah, he goes to the. Pre- <laughs> <laughs> he goes to the precinct and Skanky gives him a rundown on the two perpetrators because they've both been identified and he calls them crackheads, which, hey, is uh, great. We're in the 90s. Mm, mm. Yeah, so. Not. So kiss. sensitive. Yeah. So. So, so thoughtful wow. to people suffering from substance abuse disorder. <sighs> yeah. Experiencing substance abuse disorder. Um yeah, but it happens, and then it's over, and we move on. And this is probably what you remember it is I made a crack about everybody got a haircut for this episode. Maybe they had a clinic at the precinct where somebody came in and cut everybody's hair. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but Nick and Skanky are trying to talk to Stone Tree and get him in to step back because they're on the right track. They're doing a good job. They're investigating it. They have evidence. They just need him to go do other things for a little while. Rest, relax, take a vacation, go. They all have cabins up north. I saw what happened. And I'm going to go back out there and get the evidence I need to put this thing to rest. Captain, I, I, I don't know. Don't worry, Skinky. I do. And I'm going to solve my own case. Thanks so much. Listen, 
I have been around. I know you guys as spot rec- your your track record when you're on is great, but your track record when you're off is shit. And I don't know which one you're going to be. And so I can't trust that you have my best interest in mind. Nick could go off on a tangent and it could be days before we get him back in the office, much less back on the <laughs> back on the case. Right. And just to prove him wrong, they go off to go do some investigating. And this is when we get probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire series, which is when Nick hijacks a whole ass city bus. <laughs> yes. So R- Rachel, keep, what, like preparing for this recording, Rachel keeps mentioning, okay, this is Fatal Mistake, the one that we're recording next. That's the one where Nick hijacks a city bus. <laughs> So it completely vindicates the fact that Stone Tree wasn't willing to turn it over to them completely, right? Because they're like, oh, no, we're totally on this. We are 100% Stone Tree, and they're driving, and Nick looks over, and he sees Alessandra right, they're, they're on the bus. They're just stopped at a traffic light, <laughs> and he sees this woman in the billowy, like, glowing white dress yeah. walking down the sidewalk, and he's like, by skanky. By skanky, I got stuff to do. And he just gets and, up. Yeah, and, he, he, and the bus is moving. He runs up behind it. He climbs up the back of the bus, runs along the top, and then and falls then just down. drops in front and hangs in front of the windshield. Yeah, to get the guy to stop. Ooh. And then when he stops, he flies off the bus and rolls on the ground. And just as he does that, Alessandra gets off the side, gets out the side door. And he runs around, but she's already gone. And we get skanky is such a ride or die for Nick. Yes, because, he is a hundred percent there to support whatever Nick is doing. Yeah, because, because Nick has saved his life. I mean, like he 300 is times at this point risking his career as much as anything every time he does this for Nick, where he's like, "This is police business." What the hell do you think you're doing, police officer? I don't care if you're Mother Teresa on a pizza run. I've got a busload of people here, and you almost turned them into roll Get okay, Back in the bus. This is police business. Back in the bus. This is police business, isn't it? What about my schedule? I will schedule you down to the precinct for an action-packed evening of paperwork. Back in! Now, what is the problem? It's a known suspect. And the driver's like, well, you're messing with my schedule. I need it. I'm, I need your badge number. I need to know what's going on. And Skanky's like... I fucking said it was police business. I'm going to schedule you down at the precinct if you don't get back in that bus and close the door. Yeah, he's like, I will take every single one of you down to the precinct and give you paperwork to fill out. Watch me see if I don't. And they all go back on the bus because nobody wants to Nobody wants to deal with it. He's like, whatever, just get back on the bus and keep driving. And then he turns to Nick. This is police business, right? And he's like, yeah, it's an old old perp. Yeah, there's a there was a uh, suspect, an old suspect I saw yeah. in there. Yeah, and Skanky's like, all right, you know, if you say so. Man. <laughs> Not man. Just Friend. just like just like when you tell me to you go around back and yeah. I'll stay here. Yeah, this was a you go around back moment. And Skanky knew his place, which was just a cover for Nick. And yep. Nick must have had some reason, some benevolent supernatural reason to hijack this bus. This, again, there is no way Skanky saw this dude do that and was like, yeah, you know, if I worked out more, I could probably do that too. It's the adrenaline rush. It's the adrenaline of chasing down a bus. I don't even know. But we go back to Stone Tree after that. Kind of a letdown, but we go back to Stone Tree because he's had an epiphany because he sees a tow truck 
It is a uh, bit of a quest. He's on a quest. Let's he's put on it a that quest. Way. He's on a quest to vindicate himself. Right. To bring up, to expose, re-expose himself to the situation where things happened. Yeah. To and, inspire memories to Yeah, come to back. remember something that he may have forgotten. And he sees a tow truck and he's like, that's he it. See, he sees a car at the end of the alley and a tow truck pulls it away. Yep, and he's like, "Oh shit!" That's where the bullets are. That they're in, they are in a truck or a vehicle or something that got towed from the end of this alley. And so Nick and Skanky have gone to the shooter's house, and the only reason I can think that we included this scene at all is we were trying to make this some kind of commentary on substance abuse disorder in the '90s because the mom is talking about how. Her son had changed, and he'd gotten caught up in hard drugs, and and that it had such an effect on her baby boy, and that he wasn't her baby boy anymore, and now he was gone, and she was never going to get him back. The drugs took him from, him from her, and then Stone Tree took him away completely, and now he was never going to get better, and she was never going to have him back, and who gave a shit if they solved this? She didn't care, because her baby boy was gone. And no one was ever going to bring him back. And so they're trying to ask her questions, and she's just like, right. "There's no fuck off. I'm there's not no scenario to you. in this situation for her that improves her situation." Yeah, in she's the like, end. "I'm not helping you. Why would I help you? You killed my son. Your war on drugs killed my son." That is a fair point. And is she wrong? A yes. They were engaged in illegal behavior. Does that mean they deserve to die? That's the question that this scene is posing to us, the viewer, and to Nick and Skinky. And it just sort of leaves us with that. That's it. And then we go to the flashback, and it is Nick and LaCroix at the funeral. And Nick admits that he feels kind of ashamed and afraid of what he's done and what he is. Because he didn't really want to do that to her. There were other things that he wanted to do to her. Frequently, we reference the fact that he has like a beast. He has a. Right, his hunger is mixed together. Yeah, and he has kind of an internal monologue that is always driving him to do the things that his vampire instinct needs him to do, wants him to do. And sometimes he has, he has the ability to fight it, and sometimes he doesn't. And in situations like that, his ability to fight it is significantly lower. Which is why he doesn't engage in that kind of behavior with humans, because it generally leads to biting and death. Which is why he has regularly scheduled meetings yeah. with Jeanette. His Tuesday and Thursday evenings with Jeanette. <laughs> to satisfy the beast in a safe, in, in a way that he's not going to kill somebody yeah. on accident. Right. And in the meantime, Stone Tree has continued to investigate, and he's at the car lot. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I towed a van from there. Uh, yeah, it's still here. Here's the keys. Here's where it is. Go ahead. It's fine. I'm not going to call this in. I'm not going to ask if you have anybody with you. I'm not going to do any due diligence on this. I'm just going to tell you where the van is. Go ahead, Stone Tree. You go have fun. And <laughs> Skinky. Oh, and he's, he says, Captain, you take as long as you want. Yeah, you're fine. It's fine. And we cut back to Skanky and Nick. And Skanky hasn't quite dropped the bus thing, which is fair. It's fair. It's yep. believable that he hasn't quite dropped the bus thing because he is tackling Nick's hallucinations. And he says, you know, 
You hallucinate because you don't eat. Telling you, Nick, it is your diet or lack thereof. It's a scientific fact that people hallucinate when they don't have enough fat or sugar. Will you lay off? I told you I thought it was a suspect with an outstanding warrant. It was a woman from that Denison case last year. Just hope that Metro Transit doesn't make an issue out of this. 16 cases. Your blood sugar's low. That's the problem. That's why you're hallucinating all the time. That's why you keep just looking <laughs> off into the distance. <laughs> yeah, you know how you fade out sometimes? It's a low blood sugar, man. And Nick is not listening because he's trying to check Stone Tree's voicemail because they don't know where Stone Tree is. And he goes, Skanky, what's your voicemail password? Skanky's like, badge number. Why? Obviously. What's yours? And Nick goes, my badge number. The and same. The same. And so, of course, Stone Tree's is his badge so number. So Nick looks over at the wall where he has, Stone Tree has his paper, uh, you know, police ID stuff framed on the wall. There's his badge number. There's his badge number right there. Boop, 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 boop. Yep. So he hacks into skank or into Stone Tree's voicemail, and they listen to a voicemail from the perpetrator that got away, and it is threatening Stone the Tree's life. The one who got away. Who got away, and he's saying that he's going to kill Stone Tree, and so they put out an APB on Stone Tree, and they get his location, and Nick heads off to the to the lot where Stone Tree has found the van. And he is picking the slugs out of the van because that's where the bullets landed. Again, without a witness to maintain chain of custody. Yes. Who needs it? Who needs it? I don't know. Did they not see these bullets in the van when they towed it? Don't they have to note damage before they tow it to make sure they don't damage it anymore? Not in the 90s. And we have another flashback, and this is the part where we see that LaCroix turned Alessandra. Because at this point, we don't know if she's a vampire or if she's a ghost. Right. And this is our, like, oh, she's a vampire. Because LaCroix showed up and turned her just to fuck with Nick. Literally. Literally. 98% of what LaCroix does. That's his hobby. Is it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's his, his full-time it's hobby. It's his jaw de vivre or whatever. It's his, his, his joy of life. reason to live. His reason yeah. to life. His reason he gets up in the morning is, ah, ah, it's a lovely day. How shall I fuck with Nick today? <laughs> Even now that he's dead, he's in almost every episode fucking with Nick. Even in memory, sometimes as a hallucination, sometimes as the voice inside Nick's head. That's it. That's what he's done. He successfully programmed Nick. To always believe right. that even, LaCroix is there fucking with him. Even with LaCroix only appearing in flashbacks. Yeah. LaCroix is still one of the strongest characters carrying <laughs> season one. We had a cat, and every time the cat would yawn, Matt would stick his finger in the cat's mouth. <laughs> and so it got so it would not yawn. It started when presence. I was a teenager. I, I can't. I don't have any excuses or anything. Just <laughs> it got so it would not poor, yawn poor in Matt's presence at all. It was just like, oh god, no. Uh that's that's a perfect explanation. <laughs> Nick's life together is every time Nick does something, Laquan sticks his fingers. <laughs> every time Nick opens up to him, yeah, <laughs> just pokes him right there. There's an episode of um. Being human, the British being human. And the this supposedly old, powerful vampire character is talking to this younger character. And he puts his hand in his mouth and then he just sticks his finger in his mouth while he's talking to him. And that was completely ad-libbed by the actors. They weren't expecting it to happen. 
And I think of that pretty frequently every time Laquan and Nick are <laughs> interacting. It's just like, boop, boop. So now Stone Tree and Nick are both at this lot, this impound lot. And I don't, they they interact once. Well, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Um, Stone Tree's there. They put out the APB for Stone Tree. Yeah. And the guy who runs the junkyard. Calls. Hear, hears it. He has a police radio on. I think it's a police impound. But yeah. So he calls it in, and while he calls it in, the perpetrator shows up. Yeah, and he, the perpetrator is threatening Stone Tree. Right, and, and so Nick hears on the radio that he's Stone Tree has been seen at this junkyard, and so he gets out of the car <laughs> and leaves. Leaves and goes to the impound lot. And flies to the impound lot. As the vampire flies. And he's like, Skanky, bring back up. I'll meet you there. Yeah. And Skanky's just like. The huge. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I didn't want to be there when all this happened anyway. And so Stone Tree is being threatened by the perpetrator. And Nick arrives, but he is immediately confronted by Alessandra. And this time she's not running away. And they have a verbal exchange here, which I find fascinating. Because she's like, you seduced me. You raped me. She uses the word, explicit word, rape, for what Nick does to her. Yeah. And nothing. We don't address this at all. Nick is just like, why? Mm-hmm. That was um, that was Rick. That wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> he did nothing. No. That was my he twin brother, Rick. He doesn't address it. He's just right. like... Yeah. Yeah, I did that. Just the boldness of the fact that we straight out called this what it was. Because, I mean, even though the act of intercourse was consensual, we were we were building up to consensual sex. She didn't consent to be killed. So, right. in a way, that is exactly what it is. Which the vampire hunger is often used as a metaphor for that type of assault. And it's really interesting because previously we haven't framed it that way ever. And the first time we frame it that way, we just straight up call it what it is. And then we do not fucking address it. Right. This was this was a huge moment for delving into the the mythology and the analogies and the the symbolic meaning behind what he does to women. What he does to what the guilt he carries. The guilt he carries. Yes. Yeah. You know, the acts that he commits against other people, men or women, whatever. Yeah. The symbolic meaning is sex, sometimes non-consensual sex, and we could have really like unpacked that. Nope. And now they decided this is in a similar vein to our previous commentary about substance abuse in the 90s where we just we put out a plate we put some stuff down on it and we were just like look at it there it is we're not going to eat it not going to talk about it we're just going to put it on the plate (laughs) and then they put out another plate and they were like look at it look what we put on there doesn't look good well that's it we're not going to talk about it though we're just going (laughs) to leave we're not going to do anything else with it nope it's just there and then we have a showdown. This is our showdown at the scrapyard. And it is Alessandra versus Nick and Stone Tree versus Bad Guy Billy, 
who is the perpetrator. And Nick is caught up with Alessandra. He can't help Stone Tree. So Stone Tree's on his own. And Stone Tree is unusually cool in the face of fire. Because this is just like the episode where his buddy's wife got framed for killing her boyfriend. She got kink shamed by her husband and then framed for killing right. her side piece. And Stone Tree is being threatened by a weapon and he's just like, Good, whatever. Good is fine. You know what? Let's talk about this. Stone Tree. You, you need to deal with your guilt for causing your friend's death. And I don't know if this, if I feel like this means Stone Tree needs therapy because he's clearly not afraid to die. Almost as if he has a death wish. Or if Stone Tree is... Like so emotionally mature. So emotionally mature. That he's, he's already processed this. He's like, being afraid and upset and angry right now isn't going to help me. So I'm going to meet you with infinite calmness. Because he's just like, sup, Billy? How's it going? He's like, you killed my friend. Stone Tree's like, one could argue you killed your friend. Because you used your friend as a human shield when you shot at me. Yeah. You knew I was going to be returning fire. Yep. I told you I was police. You sh you knew what that meant. Here's a plate. Here's a plate, Billy. I'm going to put some stuff on it and I want you to look at it. <laughs> you you put your words on it and I'm going to hand it back to you so you can eat them. You, you just look at it. <laughs> and then we cut back to Nick, which for two immortals, they're having a far more emotive conversation. Because Nick's like, you are what I am now. Do you not understand what I went through? Do you not understand what it was that made me do that to you? What I have inside me all the time? And she's like, he's like, haven't you killed somebody? Haven't you given in to that same impulse and done exactly the same thing that I did to to you? Have you not done that to other people? And she's like, <laughs> yeah, I haven't bothered counting. You've been my life's work, Nicholas. After I was resurrected, I swore that I would get my revenge on the man who gave me death and return the gift. I've been searching for you for a long time. Killing me won't change what you are. And I didn't make you that way. No. Won't change anything. But it'll be easier to sleep days with your head on my head. Alessandra. What? Pick, pick a side. Okay? Pick a side. Either you're angry at him for what you did, for what he did to you. Well, you, you can be angry at him for what he did to you. But there's no reason to pass that trauma on to other people. Right. The hallmark of unresolved trauma is a compulsion to perpetuate that trauma. Right. It's the way she acts it as if she's proud of the fact that she has gone on and done that to other people. It's a very confusing scene because I don't know what we're trying to say because we use some pretty heavy language. And then we immediately segue into... somebody had an idea, like one of the writers had an idea. Oh, we're going to do this. Yeah. And everybody's like, ooh, yeah, there's a lot we could do with that. And then they were just like, that's it. We're not going any deeper. I love how we were allowed to use the word, but we weren't allowed in any way to discuss what it meant. Right. Or how it may have affected her or anything like that. It's, I don't know what we were going for. I wonder if the rating system was like, you can have one reference to it, but that's it. That's and it. So we they can't talk about it. Any more dialogue about it 
would be like points stacking up and it's like, oh, you you have two references to rape. Nope. You can't air this. It's like episode. when they had a certain they used to have a certain number of cuss words you could use in an episode. Yeah. Similar. Probably probably something like that, where we could state it but we couldn't explicitly define it. And poor Skanky is stuck in traffic. Poor Skanky. Poor Skanky. This is supposed to be a moment of levity. Doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. We have two really heavy things happening. Stone Tree is confronting this kid. And Nick and Alessandra are having a moral showdown. And we get in the middle of it. Ha ha, Skanky's stuck behind like a truck at a stoplight. He could have just turned his light on. Which he does eventually. He does eventually. It's supposed to be funny, but it doesn't fit. So yeah. thanks, Forever Night, for really trying to give us a break there. But it didn't. I didn't want it. I wanted to live in this moment. I wanted more. I wanted more of this exploration because we know Nick feels guilty for killing people, but there's more layers to it than just the fact that he's killed people. Right. We don't ever get. We don't really ever explore it. Right. And I think part of that is the '90s of it all. We couldn't. We couldn't talk about what it means that he killed all these people, what he did to them. Right. Nowadays, everything is darker. So the darker themes, you kind of have social permission to discuss things explicitly. Yeah. But in 1992, Well, the expectation so is you're sitting and watching this with your family. So if you're sitting there with your kids, right. there's what, six networks? It's this or maybe five other shows. So if you've chosen to watch this, the whole family is watching it. You right. can't have this discussion because in the entire age range of people in the household is watching this. But it ends up feeling confusing in the way we process information now because we want that explored more explicitly and it's never going to happen. Not in the 90s. And we have some more. Nick gets javelined by a piece of wood. Um, he stabs Alessandra. Stone Tree gets taken to a bridge. He's going to get shot and dumped off the bridge. And Nick ends up fending off Alessandra just in time to knock the kid almost well, off the he, bridge. Doesn't he? He kills Alessandra. He stabs her with a pipe. Okay. But when he goes back, she's gone. So the implication is she didn't die. But I guess she finally got to confront well, we, him. We had just discussed in uh, the previous but episode. But the pipe is gone too. Everything's well, that. Gone. Um, that they disappear. Yeah, they just disappear when they die. One of the things I was going to bring up about vampires disappearing when they die is all of their clothes disappear, right? Yeah. W what if you like gave not them if it's, something? Not if it's in the last act where she sat uh, and burned to death and her clothes were left behind. What, what if you were like, hey, vampire Joe, here's a $100 bill or here's, here's a like metal ring. Eat this, swallow it, and now I kill you. Does the <laughs> ring fall out later? Are we talking about like destruction uh, of nope, physical matter? Nope, we're not going to or... get that granular with this. We're not, because in the last act, her clothes stayed behind, even though she burned to death. And then in I Will Repay, he got staked and everything disappeared, clothes and everything. Including the key to his apartment. Right. And then in Dark Night, LaCroix gets staked and lit on fire and his clothes burn. But then every time Nick goes out in the every time Nick goes out in the sun, his clothes get charred. So why in last act did her clothes not burn? Listen, you're gonna drive like, yourself bananas if what, you're trying what to What if LaCroix continuity. was wearing an earring? <laughs> what if he'd swallowed an earring? What if he'd yeah, what if there was 
some piece of metal in his body somewhere. I'm okay, sure he's okay, gotten okay. shot at some so point. So if your stomach is, is non-functional. Is there like a pile of bullets on the floor when wait, you get staked? Wait, so if your stomach is non-functional, right, effectively non-functional, could you use it to store a keepsake you never want to lose? And that way it would come out on, like your will. You just swallow it and it falls out and you, pull, you open it and unroll it. And it's like in the event of my death because the only time it's going to come out is if you get staked and decorporealized or in, immaterialized. I don't know if you're going to say that. Any, stop. Listen, if you try to look for continuity in this, in this season, this series, any part of this, you're going to drive yourself bananas. There's no continuity, whatever. We don't know if she died. We don't know if she didn't die. Nick stays, saves Stone Tree on the down low. He just pushes right. the, the guy kid. The guy's standing behind Stone Tree, and yeah. he just knocks the guy over. And the guy falls over top of Stone Tree, and Stone Tree just thinks he's stumped. He like tripped. Yeah, and Stone Tree pulls him back up. He does not let him fall. Yep. He pulls him up. He gives him a second chance. The better man. Right, because that's Stone Tree. If he right. had let him fall, I wouldn't have believed it. Because that's not the character of Stone Tree that we have had so far. And afterwards, they're all standing around chatting. And Stone Tree's like, what's that? Because Nick has a whole ass steak hole in his jacket. Where he got javelin. Oh, yeah, what happened to your javelin? And he sticks his hand through the hole, and he's like, oh, must have been an old enemy. <laughs> like, oh, God. He doesn't even, but he could have taken the jacket off. He could have, right. he could have been like, oh, shit. I caught that on a doorknob earlier. Anything. Literally. I've had this thing for years. I got the that threads must be rotting. I got that shaving. You know, whatever. Anything. <laughs> And we end with Stone Tree at the firing range. And Stone Tree's a good shot. He fires it right in the center mass. And Nick comes to visit him. And they have a conversation. And during this conversation, Stone Tree has this really, really long, dramatic pause. And Matt, oh, was, yeah. Matt was like, that is the best utilized dramatic pause I have the ever longest, heard in my entire life. The longest believable dramatic pause I've ever seen performed. You forget, you know, you, you forget the damage you can do until you have to use it, then you. You know for sure. You did what you had to do, Captain. Strange. It doesn't seem to make it any easier. We've got Billy Sewell's deposition. Right. And he's talking about his gun, but he's but we as the viewer are a little bit knowing that little bit knowing. We are a little bit knowing that he is also talking about Nick because he's saying you can't forget the kind of damage this can do. The kind of damage you can do. Alessandra was a reminder of the kind of damage that Nick can do. The kind of things that he is capable of and has done in the past. And after that moment of deep introspection and thoughtfulness and depth. And dramatic performance. And dramatic performance and depth. We go out and Skanky has fallen asleep in the Cadillac and is, yeah, is snoring. And so Nick <laughs> wakes him up. And Skanky gets this really funny dialogue about, oh, you know, I was thinking about going wrestling a city bus. Have you ever wrestled a city bus? Because <laughs> Skanky has not forgotten 
that Nick just pulled this. Normally, it's water off a duck, as Skanky would say. He just lets it roll. He doesn't, but the bus. Oh, oh my heart. Oh, you want to give me a coronary night? Would that make you happy? No! You want me to take you home? Yeah, I guess so. On second thought, it's such a mighty pretty night outside. Just a few raindrops in the sky. Why don't you and me go out for some BBQ and... Maybe yippee-yi-o-tie down to our local bus corral. Yeah! We could do a one-on-one -on -one competition with some of them newfangled German diesels. Yeah! Now, how fast do you reckon they go? Maybe zero to sixty in a millennia? Oh, cow book like you could wrestle one of them down to the ground my quick. You're never gonna let me live this down, are you? <laughs> Not if I don't let you, partner. Not if I don't let you. The bus was a step too far. We're, you know what? We're gonna mention it one more time. We are going to bring this up one more time. And it's in season two. So you think they're gonna completely forget about this, but oh no, we are gonna confront this bus scene. One more time. I bet John Capellas ad-libbed that scene. <laughs> the the wrestling the city bus scene? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he I did. mean, in, in season two, it was probably John Capellas that was like, I just need it. Skanky would rib Nick about this. Well, we finally got to a point where we couldn't have an episode. We needed an episode where Skanky confronts what he has seen Nick do. Or Skanky was going to start feeling like a incompetent character right and that's what happens is we get an episode where it's finally like enough has happened that skanky has to process it and so he has a lot of scenes to go back and process and the right. bus in particular is one that he ah. remembers so all right we are on the third to this was the third to last episode so next Two week more episodes. will be the penultimate episode which will be 1966 and then the last one is love you to death love you to death okay it's love you to death which we confront a very judgy nick so it should be a lot of fun i know this will shock you but judgy impulsive and absolutely zero chill nick is on full display for that one but in the meantime, we have an Instagram account. I'd be so happy if you just wandered on over there, gave us a follow. I wander on over about once a week. And yeah. Just I'm in a bit of a funk. So if you get mad at the kind of people that update every day, that's not me right now. So don't worry about it. I might get back to that. I'll probably get back to that. But I'm a spring, summer, fall. I, I muddle through the winter and I'm at the end of my muddling. And I'm ready for spring. So once the weather improves, so will my mood. And I will probably be posting a lot more on the Instagram. I am going to get better about the Patreon. I'm hoping Matt and I will do a Patreon-only episode next week. So if you're like, God damn, I need more content. They just don't put out enough episodes a week. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel said, hey, Matt, we should read this book. So I read it. And every couple of days I say, Rachel, did you finish that book? I would like no. to note that I do the Book Talks with Kate episodes and you don't. So I'm reading <laughs> all the books for Book Talk with Kate, which that's really good. We're getting ready to do Throne of Glass. We just did Throne of Glass. We're getting ready to do Crown of Midnight. And we're doing a regular, spoiler-free, it only includes the books we've already read episode. And then we're doing a super fan episode, which I'm in, but I'm 
I'm only I'm reading the books for the first time. So my most commentary is in the spoiler free one. But we're alternating weeks. It's going to be really fun. I'm looking forward to that series. And this week will be a horror week. So because we just did fantasy. So this week will be a horror week. So you can look forward to my teaser Tuesday Instagram post. Hop on over there and try to guess what movie we're going to be doing. I need to figure out something to give people. Internet points. My undying love. (laughs) My undying, uh, I don't know. The word escapes me right now because it's really late. But I just want to say we're really having a good time. Thank you all for joining us. Our Forever Night episodes are the most listened to episode that we do, which I have to say when we did this, I did not think the Forever Night episodes (laughs) were going to be the ones, but they are. I think the primary thought in Rachel's head with the Forever Night episodes was, I'll finally get Matt to watch these, even if nobody ever listens to them. This was my sole goal. (laughs) Okay, I have an excuse to force Matt to make it through the entire series, and we can't quit because we have accountability. I wasn't ever going to quit, but Matt's can't quit either. So in that respect, super successful because we're almost through season one. He's almost a third of the way through Forever Night. And yeah, I think that's about it. So remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful, too. So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye. listening to a strange and beautiful network podcast a network of shows focusing on unscripted discussions that promote positive but honest engagement with all the weird and wonderful topics that make our hearts happy i want to take a moment to express my heartfelt gratitude to all our listeners your continuous support and engagement mean the world to us so if you're enjoying the show make sure to spread the love rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts Follow us on Instagram at Strange and Beautiful Network to stay updated on the latest episodes, behind the scenes peaks, and exclusive content from all our shows. You can also find additional ways to support this show on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash strange and beautiful network. By becoming a patron, you'll gain access to bonus episodes, early releases, our Discord channel, and other exciting perks. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.